So kind. Amen. Appreciate that. It's good to be back. Uh, and I got to encounter something core to your culture. I went to a Dragons game yesterday. So, yeah, they won. It was really fun. Don't understand the rules yet, but uh, <laughs> in time. It was a lot better to watch it uh, live in person than when I first started coming to England and, and adjusting for jet lag. The middle of the night, that's all there was, is rugby and soccer back then. And so I watched several games and still don't understand all of it, but it was a lot of fun. And uh, the area is just beautiful. I'm just feeling every time we come, there's more of a sense of home. And that's a good thing because when you travel a lot, that's what you miss is home. Amen. But uh, it's good to be among this family. And we're proud of Mike. Transition that the church is going through right now, it's, uh, it's a good thing. How many know God takes us from glory to glory? John 15, he said, we get pruned that we bring forth more fruit, right? Until we, we come to that place that we're uh, super fruitful as an individual or a house or church or family. And so it, it, it's a great time, a great season. The, the spirit in here is amazing. Worship team is really filled in. Brother on the keyboards, you're good, man. I loved your harmony, too, when you came in. That was, that was, that was really good. It's, it's really a great, great sensing of God's presence. So I just want to minister into that and onto the back end of that. So, Lord, we just thank you. We honor you, Jesus. We love you. The Scripture says that you're the Son over the Father's house and that we're to give more honor to the Son than to the house. <laughs> And so we, we lift you up and we worship you. And you're the reason why we live and move and have our being. You're our motivation. You're our hope. You're our, our past, our present, and our future. And we just thank you that you would give us insight into your word. Let us feel and sense something of your spirit and destiny and identity. And we thank you for... I just pray that you'd give me words for what I was feeling in the middle of the night when I woke up and began to pray and we began to commune. Thank you for these people. Thank you for every life represented here, God. I pray the best in Jesus' name. And, and we're, I guess we just say today that we're looking for breakthrough revelation. Breakthrough understanding, taking us from glory to glory, from faith to faith. Spirit of wisdom and revelation be released in this place. Amen? Good. Well, I just wanted to share briefly, only also because uh, the only way this trip could work is if I could fly out and make it home tonight. So we have a little bit of a, a squeeze on the back end to get to back to Heathrow Airport. But I, I feel like... Um, this is something that I flew in Wednesday. Pastor Mike and I went to the, uh, the uh, pastor's leadership meeting in Surrey. And uh, we spent two days in what was called a pastor's intensive. It's all about different factors of church and doing church and doing church well. And uh, it was great, good information. Probably the best part of it was sitting next to him during all 12 sessions because <laughs> We enjoy each other. We share some common DNA somewhere back that would be had to be connected to a revolution or a rebellion somewhere in history. <laughs> somewhere in history. Our, our, our genes had crossed and, and we, we share that DNA. But it was, a, it was a good time. But in that process, 
just this sense of that, um, and, I, and I feel like it's, it's an important perspective for the church, that, that we're on a continuum, amen? Like we're, you, if you think about it like a relay race, who, who really knows? Like we could be at the second leg of a four leg, we could be the fourth leg of a fourth man race, the relay. Uh, we know for the last several years there's been a concentration on the idea that we're in the last days. There's been many church academia, academia approaches to try to point to the coming of Jesus at this time, this date, etc. And we've been under that thought that Jesus could return any day, which surely could be the case, and I would be excited about it. But if you look at the idea or from the perspective of the glory of the church, like he said he was going to come back for a glorious church without spot or wrinkle, right? So if I look through that lens, I could say that there's a ways to go, <laughs> right? That if we do, if we, then we, if we take from that lens and we look back at the relay race, we've probably just started. We're in the first leg, but it's hard to say. But uh, you, you look at God's story and... I, when I say that, I'm, I'm going back now to Genesis, the, the first encounter when he, he approached Abraham. And it's pretty random in Scripture. Like all of a sudden, God approaches this guy named Abram. Later on, there's, there's maybe one or two insights of why did God pick him. But it's really unclear at the time. Uh, in that one passage, it says that, you know, we chose Abraham because he will instruct his children after him. And that probably could be a really big reason God saw the quality in this guy that he would leave a legacy because that was important for God's story and for him to bring redemption to mankind and, and uh, re, you know, reset the history of what was the, uh, I'll just say, failed experiment of free will. Uh, but... Um, we see God just come in and introduce himself to Abram in Genesis chapter 12. And how he introduces himself, he said, get out of your country. From your family and from your father's house to a land that I will show you. I'll make you a great nation. I'll bless you and make your name great. And you shall be a blessing. I'll bless those who bless you. And I'll curse those who curse you. And in you all the families of the earth shall be blessed. So Abram departed as the Lord had spoken to him, and Lot went with him, and Abram, took 70, Abram was 75 years old when he departed from Haram. So he's 75, and he has this encounter. But the encounter isn't, you know, you, when you think about promises, there wasn't much defined. It was more about get out, and you will discover. Amen? Like, go out to a place that's undefined, then later, in, in recorded in chapter 12, there's another encounter. God shows up again, and he said, I'm going to give you this land. I'm going to cause your descendants to be multiplied. And he built an altar. Then in Genesis 15, there was another encounter with God. The Lord brings up this idea of covenant again. And he says, we're going to make covenant. But because it was like, um, you know, Abram isn't going to be able to keep the covenant. God said, I'm just going to put you to sleep. Make the covenant, and then you'll wake up again, and I'll tell you we have a covenant. So that's how you think about that, like in terms of walking with God in covenant. He, he understands our limited capacity, so he probably does more while we're sleeping than while we're awake. He probably does more that's been initiated from him towards us than any kind of a response back from us to him. How many take comfort in that? Jesus is doing the heavy lifting. Amen. That we're, we're, we're responsive, we're, we're saying yes, we're saying amen, that's, that's our role. So they have this encounter, 
And at this pl- in this encounter, the third encounter, he speaks to him about this land that has been unidentified. He said, I'm taking you to this land, and this is the first time the promised land is described. And he said, I'm going to take you into this land, and it's a land of milk and honey. He said, it's a land that's flowing with milk and honey. And so if you think about those two things together, milk is related to sustenance. Like the milk of the word, for, for infants, for babies. You think about a baby coming to the world. It's first maintained by milk. But honey is, if milk speaks to sustenance, honey speaks to desire or blessing. In other words, he said this land's going to be a place that not just meets your needs, but it's going to meet your desires. There's going to be something here that's going to be just not able to maintain you, but be a blessing to you. And I've got it all picked out. And then he tells him where it is, and he says it's, when he defines it, he said it's basically already occupied by these different tribes. All these ites are occupying the land that I'm promising to you as a place you're going to go that's going to be a blessing, flowing with milk and honey. And how many know that, that just by introduction, that I'm going to give you an inheritance, but it's already occupied? That wouldn't that create a little bit of a concern? In other words, this ain't going to happen without conflict. There's going to be some, uh, some engagement that's going to take place. So he, he lays that out to Abraham. Abraham comes and goes. And we see about his genealogy. He's got his Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, Jacob's 12 sons. We know the story. They wind up in Egypt. God blesses them there, creates a tribe. They uh, go through the, the period of time as being slaves. They cry out to God. He raises up a deliverer. Now Moses comes on the scene, and Moses gets encountered by this concept. Tell my people I'm going to take them to a land flowing with milk and honey. So, so you got this continuum from, it, there's 200, 300 years that go by, but God's still the same. I have a promise. I have a covenant. I'm going to take you, my people, to a land that I promised that they're going to inherit. So Moses is raised up, and they start on their procession towards the promised land. And they get to a place. How many know the story of the ten spies? So they, he picks out a, a leader from every one of the tribes, said, you guys are going to go spy out and come back and report to us uh, what we're going to encounter. Are they living in camps? Are they living in fortified cities? Are they strong people, weak people, organized, scattered? I mean, this was an important surveillance to go and then report back because at that point in time, their path out of Egypt across the Red Sea was a direct path. God said, I'm taking you in and I'm going to cause you to inherit. And so Moses organized the spies, they go. And if, if there's any way, Amy, that we could pull up, um, Let's look at Numbers chapter 13, 23, if it's possible on the screen. It says, Then they came to the valley of Eshol, and there cut, and there cut down a branch with one cluster of grapes. And they carried it between two of them on a pole. They also brought some of the pomegranates and the figs. So it was promised as a land flowing with milk and honey. They send out the expedition. And the first thing that they found out was that the grapes were so big that the cluster of them had to be carried by two people on a pole. So that does speak to, there's a blessing there, amen? If you're a wine drinker, think how much wine you could, anyway. 
Um, so, so they have a cluster of grapes that's, that's big, that big, and then there's pomegranates and figs. So the fruit of the, this land's amazing. Things grow big. There's abundant provision. Like the evidence was given. And then they returned after 40 days. And now they're in front of the camp in, in Numbers 13, 27 to give report. And they told him and said, we went to the land where you sent us. It truly flows with milk and honey, and this is its fruit. Evidence, it is a, a blessed land. Nevertheless, the people who dwell in the land are strong. The cities are fortified and very large. Moreover, we saw the descendants of Anak there, which are the giants. Ah, I just messed up my screen. We saw the descendants of Anak there. The Amalekites dwell in the land of the south. The Hittites, the Jebusites, and the Amorites dwell in the mountains. And the Canaanites dwell by the sea and along the banks of the Jordan. And so obviously that created a stir, a reaction, because Caleb had to quiet the people before Moses and said, let us go up at once and take possession, for we are well able to overcome it. But the men who'd gone up with him said, quote, we are not able to go up against the people, for they are stronger than we. And now you jump to Numbers 14, 6. But Joshua, the son of Nun, and Caleb, the son of Jephunu, who were among those who had spied out the land, tore their clothes, and they spoke to all the congregation, the children of Israel, and they said, The land we passed through to spy out is an exceedingly good land. If the Lord delights in us, then he'll bring us into this land and give it to us, a land that flows with milk and honey. Only do not rebel against the Lord, nor fear the people of the land, for there are bread. Their protection is de departed from them, and the Lord is with us. Do not fear them. But the men who'd gone up with him said, I'm in verse 31, we're not able to go up against the people for they're stronger than we. And they gave the children of Israel bad report of the land which they had spied out saying, quote, the land through which we have gone as spies is a land that devours its inhabitants. And all the people whom we saw in it are of great stature. There we saw the giants, the descendants of Anak came from the giants. And we were like grasshoppers in our own sight. And so we were in their sight. And so the report was, first, here's the evidence. It's a land flowing with milk and honey. Caleb and Joshua are saying, we can do it. Let's go according to the word of the Lord. But the other ones responded by the circumstances. The size of the people, the defense, what they, it's a land that devours. They, had a, they saw it through a different lens, and they came back and they gave that report. What's well, interesting, just because of the report... It says that God said, just because they said that, because of how they responded, I'm going to keep them out of the promised land. And for 40 years, they had to wander till every one of the people and the families that were represented in their spying expedition had to die out before they're actually able to cross over. And this is interesting that the Lord says, and this is really getting to the point I want to make. And Moses interceded, they tore their garments and they prayed. In Numbers 14, 20, it's, then the Lord said, I have, a pardon, I have pardoned according to your word, but truly as I live, all the earth shall be filled with the glory of the Lord. Because all these men who've seen my glory and the signs which I did in Egypt and in the wilderness and have put me to the test now these ten times that have not heeded my voice, they certainly shall not see the land of which I swore to the fathers, nor shall any of those who rejected me see it. It's interesting that the, the subject has been getting into the promised land, but when they failed and then they gave their bad report, the Lord's response isn't about getting into the promised land. 
His response is, truly, I swear, the earth will be filled. The earth will see the glory of the Lord. And in the storyline of the promised land, sometimes you even wonder about that. Like, was it really about the land? Because the description of the land changes in different books of the Bible. It's generally the same area, but it's not specific. It's kind of, it includes this region, and another example, it doesn't. Another example, it's the land of this tribe, but another one, it's not. So the land itself is symbolic of a possession or an inheritance, and it's going to be a place of both provision and blessing, meeting your needs, but also meeting your desires. So that's all in place. But you just wonder, in God's continuum, was it really about occupying a land, or was it about a people coming into the glory of the Lord, representing the glory of God in the earth? Because the continuum that goes through the New Testament, of course, is about Jesus, the gospel that he brings. And then he, uh, Paul writes in Hebrews that, uh, that God has provided for us a city whose builder and maker is God. It's a, another homeland. And we actually confess on the earth that we're strangers and pilgrims. So it's actually really the promised land was this Middle East geographical description. But it was more about getting hold of people's hearts and putting them on a journey to understand God's goodness and his faithfulness. Because the promised land really is an eternal promise, and it's not a physical location on earth. That we have an eternal inheritance, a homeland that's created for us. And so knowing the end and, and how the interpretation morphs from the Old Testament to the New Testament, what would a good report be in the middle, and what would a bad report be in the middle? What, what are those circumstances that would carry forward today and we could say, we want to be like the two spies instead of like the eight spies. So if the promise to us is the earth shall be filled with the knowledge of the glory of the Lord, or in this scripture, the earth will be filled with the glory of the Lord. The Lord says, I, I swear, this is what I'm committed to. What would be our report that would be a good report? What would be our report that would be a bad report? Selah. A bad report would be, well, I don't see that, right? Bad report would be like those guys. We just will highlight the circumstances. We'll highlight all of the evidence that shows that the church is shrinking. And I'm not talking about us. I'm talking about the global position and the global persecution and all the, the bad report that people could say and repeat against the people of God, the things of God, the church of God that there could be a bad report, and there is. There's a criticism that's built into a, a mind that doesn't understand. But then there's a prophetic spirit in the church that says, regardless of what it looks like, God's going to have his word. Amen? God promised. He encountered the father of our faith, Abraham, and he's, he made promises to him. Galatians said that the promise that God made to Abraham is going to be made th through Abraham, through Jesus, to us. We have the same promise. I'm, you're going to have inheritance. You're going to be blessed. Your name's going to be great. Your descendants are going to be as the sands of the sea. It's a continuum that you and I are going to walk in in the fullness of it. And it's a promise to see the glory of God. It's a promise that God is going to give an inheritance to his people. That we're going to have an experience on earth that's going to be likened unto a land flowing with milk and honey. So if you're saying, well, right now I feel like... I'm just being sustained, 
right? I, I feel the flow of the milk, but I don't feel the honey. I'm just saying it's going to happen. God promised it. You're coming into an inheritance. And the important thing is to maintain your report. The important thing is that we're not moved by the circumstances of the temporary. Amen? Because really, for me, I don't care if I am the second leg on the handoff. I'm going to maintain the fact that in a relay race, that we're not only going to finish, but we're going to win. And if I'm in the second leg and I'm going to pass the baton, which I have in some ways to my son and to my grandkids, and they'll pass it, somebody's going to get to the finish line. Somebody's going to get to the full promise. Somebody's going to get to the full inheritance. But God's looking at us in that interim part and say, you got to maintain a good report. Because a bad report discourages the crowd. Amen? They were able to turn the rest of the thousands, perhaps there was a couple million people, but the, the uh, influence of the bad report shut down the whole nation from wanting to follow. There was only two people that maintained their testimony and were able to rally enough that that ultimately could get passed and to happen. So maintaining the good report is super, super important. And that's the, uh, the uh, encouragement today is regardless of the recent shift of things and all, hey, our report is the glory of God's going to be seen in faith, church. The glory of God's going to be seen again in Wales. You guys exported the glory of God to the whole earth. Amen? In a very desperate time. When you read the origins of that, it was a dry time. Roberts was just praying that God would give, revive the humble and the poor. He was praying for a revival among the miners. And it, it was just a humble Holy Spirit, but it, you, we couldn't say that things were any better then than they are now in terms of the, the setup for the revival. It was very similar, but they began to pray, and God just picked a day, amen? He picked a day to just say, I'm going to start visiting, and he started touching and doing supernatural things, created a momentum, created a testimony, gathered people to it. The fame spread. The anointing spread. I, I was in uh, Montreal, Canada in um, August, and I was ministering at a church there. The pastor's wife's grandmother was in the revival. She was one of those testimonies that was just walking down a country road in the middle of the day and doesn't, doesn't know why, but all of a sudden she had this feeling. She wound up on her knees with her hands lifted up, said, this must be God come into my life. Amen. Supernatural testimony of encounter because God decided to visit a region, decided to permeate an atmosphere with his presence because he promised we will see the glory of God. Amen. We'll see the glory of God. Is there a physical inheritance? Yeah, I believe there is. I believe it is. It's like Jesus said, in this life, there's lands, there's buildings, but in the life to come, it's eternal life. There is an inheritance that we could say is a promised land type of experience or reality here on earth. But the fact is, is that we're tied to an ultimate inheritance. We're tied to an ultimate promise, but it's really important in the process from here to there that we keep our report. So God's going to win. Amen. He said, in the latter days, the mountain of the house of the Lord will be exalted above all other mountains. That's my, I live for that. That's something I got called into uh, in terms of not only just building the local church, but being sent by God on the road around the world, is that I, I see the glory of God coming into the house of God. I believe that there, people are going to flow into it. I believe the solutions for world problems are in the church. I believe solutions for the future are going to be found in the people of God. It was February a year ago. I was in the healing rooms on a Tuesday morning in an amazing worship experience. I don't know if I shared this last time I was here, but 
we were, we were in the presence of God and just a great atmosphere. And I, I heard this thunderous voice. And, and what, I mean, to tell you, it was, I've only had this a handful of times in my life, but it was one of those times that I couldn't tell if it was coming from through the speaker system or if it was actually of, of a heavenly dimension. And, and within a few seconds, I knew it was the latter. But I, I heard this voice, and it just said, there is no hope for mankind without him. And then it repeated again in this thunderous, there's no hope for mankind without him. And by the third time I heard it, at that time in the news was the, uh, in the U.S., we are in negotiations with North Korea. And I, I thought, really, the, the, the tone, the loudness, the declaration, I really felt, and this is what happened inside, like I felt like this fear, we're going to war. Felt like there's going to be a nuclear, like, I'm, I'm sensing this apocalyptic, no hope for mankind. That it, you know, it's over. And then, probably a five-second delay, ten-second delay. There was this other voice, and it said, "Invite him in. Invite him in." And it was from a different place. It was of a different sound. It was the sound of love. It was the sound of hope. And in meditating that, and I have ever since, because it's, it's factored in, I guess you'd say, to how I see things, how I feel about things. But it's that Psalm 2 where Psalm 2 also found over in um, Isaiah's prophecy. The ancient of days is seated. Judgment's been made in favor of the saints. But it's this, is that heaven's backing up Jesus. He's been set as the king. The hope of mankind is to invite him in. And if you don't, the consequence is you get chaos. You get division. You get confusion. And you see that over and over. It's in every nation. It's becoming more divided. It's becoming more confused. It's because there is no hope without Jesus. And circumstances are going to stack up till somebody invites him in. And you and I can become that agent of God. We can come into a situation with prayer. We can come into a situation with counsel, whether it's a marriage, whether it's a corporation system or situation with a business. You come into a church and you find that things are stalled out. You find that there's confusion. And the answer is there's no hope for mankind without him. Amen. What's the solution? He has to be invited in. Somebody has to invite him in. You can invite him into your business. You can invite him into your marriage. And, and because heaven is backing the lordship of Jesus and the headship of Jesus, when you invite him in, answers come, wisdom comes, power comes, presence comes. But if you don't invite him in, you get confusion. You get yourself is basically the judgment of that. But it, it is that epic time. It's the epic time where heaven is backing the lordship of Jesus. And as the church, his representatives, and literally his house, we have the privilege of saying, come Lord Jesus. Come in Lord Jesus. Things stall out. Confusion comes. Relationships get a little strained. Come Lord Jesus. We invite you in. The knowledge of the glory of the Lord will cover the earth. The glory of the Lord will come into the house of God. The glory of the Lord will be seen upon the people of God. And we just reinforce the prophetic word that's been declared that's supposed to carry the people of God from the time that Abraham encountered God all the way to the fullness of what we'd call the rapture, the second coming, and all that he has for us in eternity. Amen? What's our part? The good report. 
Amen? The good report. I'm not repeating what I see that doesn't line up with the good report. I'm not going to declare and put over the people of God any kind of fear, any kind of undermining my attitude. No, the good report. The good report. We can take the land. Amen? The giants are not giants. The giants have been defeated. We have a sling and five stones, right? Doesn't matter how big and how intimidating he is. We are set with a good report. God is sending us to inherit. We're to inherit lands, buildings, but not just that. That's not the most important part. The glory of the Lord will be seen upon the people of God. The glory of the Lord will be seen upon your house and upon your children. Amen? The glory of the Lord will be seen upon your children. Lord, we just speak that right now to wherever that doesn't appear in circumstances. We say it prophetically. The glory of the Lord will be seen upon our children. The children of this house. The loved ones of those in this house. The glory of the Lord will be seen upon them. The breakthrough. The health. The, uh, whatever it is to have life and life abundantly, it'll be seen on the people of God. That's our inheritance. That's our testimony. And we thank you for that, Jesus. Speak into every situation that's strained and stressed right now. And we invite you in. We say, shalom of God, come. Peace of God, come. Right now, settled issues. Lord, we pray for those who are, uh, at this point, are isolated and independent. From family, independent in relationship, isolated from the church. Father, we pray for them right now. We thank you, Jesus, that we invite you into this community. And you have the authority to do that more than me. I'm just here as a, somebody in the house, as Mike honors and recognizes a, a spiritual father. So I've got some authority, but you've got authority in your land. You have authority in your neighborhood. You've got authority in this city. You've got authority in this country to invite him in. And we thank you, Jesus, you're the answer. You are the King of kings. You're the Lord of lords. Psalm 2 said, I've set my king upon the holy hill. And though the heathen rage and the nations imagine a vain thing, I've set my king upon a holy hill. And he who sits in heaven will laugh of the intimidation. He who sits in heaven, when somebody says that we're going to, the church is uh, becoming overtaken by a secularized society and nobody cares anymore and nobody's interested in spiritual things and religion is a thing of the past. Yeah, that all might be factual report, but that's not according to the good report. The good report is the earth is going to be saved. <laughs> the good report is that he so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son that whoever believes in him will not perish but have everlasting life. And Father, we just declare that into the atmosphere. You so love Wales. You so love Newport. You so love Cardiff that you sent your only begotten son. And we thank you that people will become aware. I believe that you are working in, in people's dreams, that you're working in their thought life, that when they're alone and they're pondering the questions of life, who am I and why am I here? And, and those deep things, when they encounter that hole that's been left in their life that only you can fill, though that you are doing that day in and day out, that you're working tirelessly on behalf of our loved ones and on behalf of your cause. So we thank you. Let salvations break out. In Jesus' name. And the glory of the first move in Wales will be superseded by the glory of the next move in Wales. 
Uh, we thank you for that. You have it on your calendar. Remember, Scripture says, when the day of Pentecost had fully come, that's when they had that experience. Well, there's a day that's going to fully come. When things will be ready, the church is getting prepared again. Leaders are being raised up. Elderships are coming together. There's a like-minded heart. There's a, a like-mindedness and a concern for one another. He's building the nets so that it can contain the harvest. And we thank you for that. We say yes to that, God. We bless the preparation that's taking place. We thank you for it. Lord, we're carriers of the good report. We can take the land. We can overcome giants. And we thank you for that. We thank you for that. Thank you for it. Father, we bless Mike and Helen. They've taken up the charge. They've heard the commissioning. They've said, said yes to the call. So we strengthen their hands in Jesus' name. And we bless them. We prophesy over them wisdom and vision and favor in Jesus' name. I, when I said wisdom and I said favor, I saw a capital F favor. So Lord, thank you. You're highlighting that. Favor will follow them. In Jesus' name, favor will follow them. The fire has forged them, but now favor is going to follow them. And we praise you for it. Thank you for the processes of God. Oh, we worship you, Jesus. We worship you, Jesus. Thank you, Lord. I just hear, hear the Spirit of God say this to, to all of us today is, how important that you are in the things of God. You're so important. If, if without, you know, the things that I shared today, you know, it's, it stretches hundreds of years of history condensed in 15 minutes and some maybe complex things in theology or, or Bible understanding. You don't need to understand all of that. You just need to say yes to God. You just need, I'm going, to be a, I'm going to be part of the good report. I'm going to say, you know, God seems big enough that he can do what he said he's going to do, so I'm going to ride that wave. I'm going to, I'm going to agree with God. He's going to do what he said he's going to do. And the glory of God will be seen, the deliverance of God, the salvation of God, the power of God, the glory of God. I'm just going to say yes. And that just aligns you with the blessing of those that gave the good report because they got to cross over. Caleb was 80 when he got it as inheritance. We always think of Joshua was a young man, but they were contemporaries. Joshua was probably 80 also when he, he crossed over. They came into their inheritance at a, a latter part of their life. There's some in here that believe that, you know, time has passed for me. That my peak in the things of the Spirit, the, my peak in Christianity and my expression, that it, it's, it's behind me that... You know, this part of my life is going to just look like that. And I'm just telling, telling you something different. The glory of God's going to come on you. Renewed vision, renewed and refreshment.